Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's special guest co-host is... I'm London Jen. Yay, how are you doing, London Jen? How have you been? I've been great, thank you. I'm really excited to finally uh, get to do something with you. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Same, same. I'm so glad you are able to do this, especially this episode, because I think that this topic is a good one for the two of us to go over. But before we get there, we have to do the first segment of the show. We have to do the rapid fire round for you. I've got 10 questions. I want you to literally give me the answer that's the first one on your head. There's a couple of this or that, but some of them will require you to give me an answer like straight, straight from your thoughts. And so I'm going to give you 45 seconds to do it. Do you reckon you can do all 10 in 45 seconds? I am going to do my damnedest. (laughs) Okay, cool. So let me get my timer together and then we'll get started. I'm going to have an extra five seconds, it's fine. (laughs) Okay, and go. Favourite movie? titanic it's so not <laughs> describe <laughs> yourself in three words explain myself in three words um describe uh, yourself. <laughs> myself um a happy kind um a mess clearly fame or wealth well uh, wealth skydive or bungee jump bungee first thing you do when you wake up smile Name one thing guaranteed to lift your mood. My son. Name three things you take to a de- desert island. Music. Oh, time's up. <laughs> oh, I messed up. Oh, I don't know how I'm so thrown on favourite. There's so much about me and then out comes spilling Titanic. I don't even love that film. I'm just like, name a film, something, Jen. Just get through this. We can do it. Honestly, I could feel the panic. Like, I could just see... Like, obviously, the listeners that are listening to this right now can't see you, but the panic on your face was amazing. You were just like, um... um." Okay, so we got to we got to seven. Well, technically seven and a bit because you only actually named two things, but I will let you name all three and we'll go through them anyway just because I want to hear your answers. So what are the three things that you take uh, with you to a desert island? Yeah, my Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I take some sort of... Can I take a mobile device? Yes. You can take a mobile device because I, uh, you know, I need to be tuned in with what's going on in the world and in battle rap. And I would also take, um, can I take a friend? <laughs> Is that cruel? <laughs> Absolutely. There are no rules. You can take whatever. One of my sisters. One of my sisters is coming with me, babe. I'm sorry, but you know, you've got <laughs> the island life now because I'm not about to do this on my own. So we've got a Spotify playlist, though. We've got a playlist. You're not going to be bored. <laughs> you are not going to be bored. So that's good. Okay. And then question eight was bagels or donuts? Donuts. Nine is sunrise or sunset? Sunset. And number 10 is what's your biggest fear? Myself. Fear myself. Ooh. That's a good answer. Your biggest fear being yourself? 
yeah, I don't really fear much, but I'm my biggest obstacle at times. So as long as I can keep on the right side of fear of myself, then I, I feel like I'm winning. I don't really fear much. I'm not, yeah, it's myself. I love it. That's a great answer. I think that might be the best answer I've heard to like a question like, what's your biggest fear? So yeah, dope, amazing. Okay, so you didn't you didn't beat the timer, um, which means that I won. Because if a guest doesn't beat the timer, then I win. So, you know. You scored me at the first question. <laughs> I can't believe it. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. In, in yeah, I've, in all the rapid fires I've done, I don't think that has happened on the first question. I might be wrong, but yeah. But it's okay. It's honestly fine. We'll just have to have you back on another episode so you can redeem yourself. Exactly. I'm, I'm really searching for favourite film. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so let's get on to the topic. So the topic for today is making friends as an adult. Now, for me, it's always been a very tricky thing to navigate as a full-on grown-up. I tended to find it tended. Tended is the past tense of tend, right? I think so, yeah. I yeah, tended I to find it. Well, I found it, what I'm trying to say is I found it a lot easier when I was at school. School, college, uni, nice and easy. Breezy, like you make friends, like literally first day of, of term and you continuously meet new people and make friends and it's super easy. As an adult, not so much. So I wanted to get some feedback from you, Jen. Let's start with when you were younger, making friends. What was that like for you? What were those kind of experiences like for you? Um, I would agree with you in saying as a, as a child, it was really easy. Um, I grew up in Hackney, East London. I had um, a really varied friend group. Um, and it was really easy to just make friends. And I, I, I kind of found lots of different things interesting and cool. So my friend group, was yeah very varied and it was yeah it was easy to connect with people when you're a kid you've got so many sort of common interests and you don't have all the hang-ups of necessarily of, of adulthood um, and I was a confident child so um it was easy for me to just yeah to make friends to talk to people to go and do things with other people um I had friends where I'd go, um, say, pond dipping in Epping Forest. And then I had friends who, you know, we just sit down and do dances all day. And then I had friends where, you know, we'd just be out playing, you know, jumping on, off of rooftops and, you know, just a real mix of friends. I had, and being in Hackney, it was a very multi multicultural group of friends, um, white friends, Hindu friends, Muslim friends, um, Ghanaian friends, Nigerian friends, Caribbean friends, just yeah, a really nice range of friends across the board. And it was easy. It was so easy. And everywhere you went, because I was a child and uh, quite an, I was into quite a few things over my childhood years. I, you know, I didn't find it difficult making friends, whether I was at school, whether I was at after school activities, whether, you know, whether it was just at a you know christening and you you want to talk to you know the other kids that are there I didn't yet it was it was easy back then I've got to say I agree because like same as you I was I was a confident kid and I didn't feel a way about talking to people I mean being raised with like being raised by the mum that I was raised with she is to this day will talk to anybody at any time will crack well, jokes 
just super personable not afraid to you know chat to a random stranger on public transport like that's just how she is so obviously when you're a child you pretty much emulate what you see and so i was very much like that and i would speak to anyone i'd see a kid around i'd beeline for them we're gonna be friends right and that was even in every situation i'd been like whether it was the very short time in my life when i when i lived in kenya in nairobi i always managed i knew a lot of people and i was friendly with a lot of people but i always had a little core group of friends and that and it's been that way everywhere i've lived same way in nairobi same way in uh, east london where i grew up when i moved to essex when i got a little bit older um for my final year of primary school again I had, you know, my little little circle of friends, but I knew lots of people. I was always trying to be as friendly as possible and as personable as possible. It was just easy to get to know people at that age. So did you notice a shift? Was there a moment when you noticed that you weren't, I guess, making friends in the same way or at the same rate as you did when you were younger? Did you notice a difference or did you just wake up one day and go, what, what's going on? definitely notice the difference um where so child up to sort of you know uh maybe mid to late teens uh, i had lots of friends massive friend circle you know had wide different circles who i do different things with and then it got to sort of about it, no i had my i had my son it was when i had my son i had my son fairly early i was 22 and also moved to Essex a little bit later than you do, but, but also moved to Essex, yeah, moved to, well, sort of um, borders of London and Essex and um, moved there and it's like, okay, how do I meet local people? And then shortly after that, I moved to Milton Keynes. So way out of London, yeah. way from my social circle. Now it's just like, I'm, I'm brand new. I'm, I'm a new mum, my son sort of, Four or five. I'm working in London, um, living in Milton Keynes. I need a new friend group. Yay! Let's do this because you know I'm I'm still young. I'm sort of mid twenties, and of course, I can make friends. I just just have to just make friends, right? And then it was like, oh, how do I do this? Because I'm, I'm I've come into a new area as well, and I've gotten in with the school mums. They've already got social circles. They've already got groups of friends. The same circles that I might have had back in London, they've got up here and we just kind of see each other at the school gates. And if I want to take it further, I have to I have to engage and and, and like how do you how do you ask for another mum's number? Like other than a play date. And then how do like so let's say let's say we get a play date how do i then take it a step further than that and say hey you're cool can we be friends and <laughs> it's it, it, it's a really awkward thing because you know how to make friends as a kid you run up to another kid and you show them your toy or whatever or you know you look at something long enough and you say hey do you like oh it's, it's very natural as a kid kids want to make friends but when you're sort of that age early 20s mid 20s and people have already got friendship circles fully formed and they're not you meet some people who are like hey yeah let's come and do this as soon as you meet them they're just trying to pull you into their lives but that's not most people and I'm also a bit yes I want friends but I don't want I don't necessarily want that lovely lady who wants to pull me into everything like I'd I want to kind of meet some people 
and socialize and hang out and stuff but I don't want to dive in headlong with some crazy lady and then all of a sudden I'm on the phone for two hours a day talking about the man next door and what your mother did with the gardener and whatever like it's, it's just not me yeah it was really awkward sort of even just finding okay let's say I do say can we be friends in whatever adult way that you do do you have the same boundaries I do what am I getting myself into here it was a whole minefield mm-hmm. it, it was did you have what, what, what what's your experience like that was I mean, it's pretty similar without having the child, to be honest, because like, it's it's weird because it is that like, when you're a child, you don't have that thing that stops you from saying, hey, do you want to be friends? As a kid, if you want to be friends with someone, guess what you do? Hey, do you want to be my friend? And then that's it. It's so much easier, right? And you, like you say, you go up, you show the person, you show the other, the other kid your toy, you guys start playing with it, You they introduce you to their toys, and that's literally, it's just straightforward. It is simple. But when you're an adult, there's a lot of other shit going on. There's bills in some cases, there's kids, there might be partners and marriages and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff going on. It could be work stuff. There's There's so much that gets in the way as you get older that you stop... I guess you stop forming relationships in the same way is probably the way I'm trying to say it. Like you you, you stop having that kind of, you never stop having the need of new friends, but you stop having the kind of urge to go out and actually make friends, if that makes sense. You want to make friends, but it's like, I don't really want to go. Like you said, you don't want to be pulled into someone's life because what the hell are their boundaries? What are they, are they going to be causing me drama? Are they, you kind of, you're a little bit jaded as you get older, right? So at least I was. So I just felt like it was hard for me. And when I, when I lived in Essex, so I lived in Essex from about nine. When I was in Essex, I had different friend groups because I had my friend groups in my area, but my school was in a different town, a different part of Essex, right? So I also then had my school friends and, you know, I had the the friends that I had. And I even had different friends, friend groups in school. And and I loved that because you know where you're going for each thing. That's when I kind of started having that. Same thing happened when I went to college, but just on a much smaller scale, right? And then I still had my friends from school. I had a few few good girlfriends from school. And then I went to Mm -hmm. uni and it was very different because... It, it was quite a bit of time in between. I took a little gap just to kind of work and stuff. But then I also had like different pockets of friend groups in different parts of London as well that I met through different experiences, which again was great. But like in uni, I kind of just focused on that one group of friends plus my best friend that I knew from like the first day of school. And that was pretty much yeah. it. And I just kind of, I don't know what happened. The shift I think was there. Not sure what caused it, but it was just a very, it wasn't a conscious decision. It's just how I. It's just how I moved at that point. So I just lost touch as well. Between, I think that's quite a natural one between college and uni, especially as um, a lot of people move geographically. Yes. In the, in, it, it's one where you know there's your your focus is completely shifted. Mm. Not only um, because of you know your day to day studies, but the the social group. It's such a social thing as well. Not that I went to uni, but you know just from observation. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, you become immersed in what what sent what centered around your sort of uni and uni culture as well. Like uni culture is very different to anything else. Like it is a, its own its own little world in in 
in many ways even if you don't go far my uni was in london so it's not like i traveled to a different city or anything my uni was in london and still felt like a whole new not to quote aladdin but a whole new world <laughs> because it was very much like we did everything with my friends like my friends at uni even though i had a couple of different pockets but my my core friends at uni you know, we'd go and do pretty much the same stuff. We'd hang out at the SU. And so I made a couple of SU friends that I just knew that would always be at the student union and we would always drink and have a good time. And we met constantly and we, that would be usually the group I'd go out with a lot. Cause we'd always go out after the SU, you know, you got to drink where it's cheaper to drink, had a friend behind the bar as well, which was always helpful. Oh so like, you know, you knew what you could do, but it was its own, we was, we all could relate to each other in a way that I couldn't with my other friends at that point. I guess that's probably what was part of the shift as well. We all knew the whole uni life. We all knew the working weird hours if you were working part time and at the same time, like prioritizing essays and coursework and whatever else you have to do. It was very, we all understood each other and we were all pretty much going through it at the same time. So of course you just gravitate more and hang out more with those people. After uni, I decided, via my best friend, to pick up our shit and just move to a new city because we were fed up with London. And I was like, I'm not paying London prices anymore. I can't do it. And we randomly picked Manchester on a map and spent a couple of months working and just putting some money aside. And then we said, let's... By the way, neither of us had been to Manchester before, right? Neither of us even knew anything. We just know what we see on TV, right? And that's it. So a few months go by after we've made this decision and we go, "Mm, you know what, let's look at some places online and and arrange um, a weekend that we can go and view as many places as possible on the Saturday and Sunday before we have to come back. So we arrange these viewings. We drive down or we drive. No, we didn't drive. What did we do? We got the coach to save money. We got the coach, right? Yeah, we got the coach up, which by the way, you couldn't pay me to get on them things now. The number of times in the first few months that I lived up here that we had to keep going down to London by coach, I will never get on a coach again, just based on that situation. If I can't go by train, I'm not going. (laughs) So that's literally, I I can't do it, but I'm scarred. But so we came up by coach on the Saturday morning or early Saturday, and we viewed a few places on Saturday, viewed a couple of places on Sunday. We picked one house. We went back there on the Sunday before we had to get the coach back in the evening put down a holding deposit, signed the paperwork, right? Went home. So now this is Sunday. The Sunday after we had rented a Hertz van, we put all our shit in that little van and my friend drove us up to Manchester. Literally That's seven days. Great. That's awesome. We're talking like 200 plus <laughs> miles away, right? From everyone yeah. you know, we don't know anyone. We'd been to Manchester for the first time the week before we moved here. Like it was insane when you look at it that way. But yeah we were just like if we we, there's no other chance to do this type of stuff like the i mean i was only really that adventurous at uni when i did a study year abroad but that was temporary it wasn't it wasn't a whole move you know what i mean so it was like let's just do it we ain't got no kids we ain't got no mortgages we haven't got a bunch of debt that keeps us in one place let's just do it now before we grow older and go oh we should have moved so we did but I moved up here with my best friend. So of course I was lazy. I don't need to make friends. My best friend's in the house. Like if I want to do stuff, I'll do it with her. Like I don't need to make friends like that. And then I just looked up on there and I was like, holy shit, I have one friend. <laughs> I was 
I have one friend because I've not kept in touch with everybody else apart from online stuff, which to me doesn't really count. And it's just like, if I'm not really liking something on Instagram or sending a quick DM, I don't really have friends like that in real life, apart from this one friend that I moved up here with. And my mum said something to me when I was randomly having a conversation with her and she said, you're always saying you only have one friend. You don't want to hang out with the people that you work with, but you're always watching Battle Rap and you never go to these events. Why don't you just go? Literally, my mum said that to me. I know. And I was like, you know what? There's an event next week, the, uh, the first Beat Fighter event by Don't Flop, and it was in Manchester. And so I said, you know what? I'll just go to that got some tickets online and went and literally the while we were waiting outside I made a friend straight away yeah. and it's been that way ever since just through battle rap just met so many people from going to events and if I hadn't gone I would have probably been in the same situation going I have one friend I have a in addition to never going to events but yeah sorry I didn't up and move to Manchester but I up and moved to Milton Keynes like I said and was in a situation which wasn't the best and um I was in Milton Keynes for like 10 years, um, but over the course of sort of 10, 12, 15 years of my relationship, I I lost touch with um, most of, and I, I, all right, so I had a social circle, but I had, I had a wide social circle, but in each social circle, there was maybe one or two people that I really fucked with. Like, or I really kept in touch with the social circle was wide, but my my in or my link was really that one person. I, I, I checked for everyone in there and I loved everyone in there, but really, I'm only really cool, cool with that person. That's the only person I'll call or whatever. So by the time I moved up to Milton Keynes, there were only a handful of people who were really close in my life. And then, like I say, I sort of cut myself off from all of them. So by the time I moved back to London, sort of, four or five years ago, I had nobody, like literally nobody, nobody. And or, or I had, I say I had nobody, I'm, I'm close with family. So I've got, you know, lots of uh, female family members and I'm at various stages of closeness with most of them. But I'd, I'd whatever tenuous links I still had was with my family, um, had, uh, you know, I've got sisters and nieces around my age so had a couple of those links um and also reconnected with friends that I go back with like 25 years to when I was like sort of 14 15 connected with like two or three of those and that was it that was my my, my sort of friendship circle those literally yeah three friends from 25 years ago and my sister's niece um but didn't have a sort of same thing, social circle. I, I found Battle App accidentally um, because I, I spent so much time, you know, on a bloody screen listening to stuff. It was when I was working, I would listen to stuff, found freestyles, found Battle App, was listening to it for a lot, watching it for a very long time before I realised if you want friends with mutual interest, exactly the same thing that your mum said, like, just get up yourself and go to these events and it was that it was that having to do it by yourself without you know a group of girlfriends or without one or two who were going to go with you it was literally and this is adulting finding friendship 101 when you find an interest that maybe you are really passionate about you don't have a wide circle of friends or you don't have 
you know, a group to say, hey, you know, would you be interested in this? And out of the 15, two of them say, yeah, so you go along. It's like, no, you've got a couple of people and you can't even talk to them about battle rap. So off we go by ourselves. Um, that's that's it. Which it, It's that thing, I think, when you're an adult, you find your friends that you have when you're growing up, you have a sort of a nostalgia thing. You have a shared experience, understanding. You know each other inside and out. You've already accepted flaws. They've accepted your flaws. You know each other. You know where you stand. But as you grow, you you develop other interests and individually, you know, you you find things that you like and they're individual to you and maybe not your friend group. So for you to really immerse yourself in those sort of cultures and and find friends you have to go it alone and then do the how do I make friends thing yeah and it's it's not easy it's not easy to do because it does feel a little bit unnatural when you're when you're a grown-up <laughs> which yeah. is just it's weird because it seems so what's the word it seems so obvious that yeah of course just go out and do it but it it's it's hard it's not an easy thing to do and that's with people that are already confident in themselves so now imagine people that aren't people maybe that are very introverted because i'm a bit of both i'm an ambivert i can have my extroverted moments but actually i'm good on my own and that can also be dangerous because i'm very happy in my own company like I was an only child, so I learned at young age how to keep myself entertained. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of cousins and stuff, which again, that was always at set times. They weren't in the house with me. So I was very much the only kid around for a while, um, for most of the week. So I knew how to entertain myself and I've taken that into adulthood. And so I can be by myself, but then it, there is those moments when you're like, I actually want to do something now though. <laughs> I want to, I want to be able to have a group of people that I can go, Hey, do you want to go and do X, Y, Z? And it's still a work in progress because I think the pandemic gets in the way of stuff. You kind of feel awkward. About, like, I don't know if you feel this way. I do um, at times when, if I've only really spoken to certain people that I would consider like, you know, good acquaintances, like social circle type people, friendly if I have no, if I haven't spoken to you in real life for a while and it's all been on like Twitter or IG DMs or whatever, then I kind of feel awkward about saying, hey, do you want to do something? Does that make sense? Like, I feel kind of weird. I feel like, oh, but maybe we're not really friends like that. I, I do. And I think it's it's sort of a pandemic thing. It's sort of because we were locked down for so long and all amongst us. And, and I think, when people did lock down, a lot of people sort of withdrew into themselves. So you didn't necessarily know as much of what was going on in other people's lives where you might have before. So you, yeah, you, you have a sort of feeling of, oh, am I just sort of coming, am I coming back in now? It, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, I, it's like a little awkward, it, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it, bit, it feels You've different. had this big artificial gap. Um, I think I definitely feel that. Um, I am, I am somewhat of an extreme ambivert. I am, I will happily spend long periods of time not seeing another human apart from my son and maybe a few shopkeepers. But then, I want to be out. I want to see the people. I want to be amongst the people. I want to be like, give me all the energy, all the. Energy. But mm. it's like kind of 
when I want it. And I think this is this is as well where making adult friends, my friends who know me from years ago, they they'll kind of get that. But when it comes to making new friends, I don't being like being a friend is a is it's not. I was talking to someone about this the other day. The act of friendship entails caring and being there and supporting and all of that. And it, I think when you're somebody like me, maybe you as well from the sounds of it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all in, in the friendship. I will love you to pieces. I don't love you on a daily yeah. basis enough to talk to you that often. Like I'm yes. my mum, my mum, I will talk to every day if I have to, I will happily speak to my mum every other day. And yeah, no, every day is a bit much. The way you said, if I have to. (laughs) Every day, because that's the only person I will, if I have to. Because mum, we don't have something to say to each other, I promise, every day. But every other day, we definitely do. Let me know what happened when you went here and you did that and all of that. I'm I'm happy because I didn't hear it yesterday. Let me hear it today. And that's my mum. I've got that. And, And every day, like I say, if we have to. Because I've... That's that's what being a daughter entails. That's my mother. Like, of course, if yeah. I have time enough to speak to my mum every day, and we have a good relationship. I understand it's different for people who don't necessarily, but all, all my mum is asking for there is time. So if I haven't got time for my mum once a day, then you know, who who have I got time for? But everyone else, no, I don't, and I don't feel like we've got enough to say to each other. My life is boring, right? So I don't have much to say to you, and your life probably isn't that. Like, I'm a, I'm a weirdo. Like, I, yeah. Is, is, yeah, I'm, I'm a, and this is what I'm saying. Like, it, for me, when it comes to making friends as well, it's also that, yes, I want to make friends, but do you want to be my friend? Like, because I'm set in my ways. Yeah. And I don't want to be all up in you and say, hey, like, you're really cool. Let's be friends. We can, you know, chat and go out every now and again, have coffee, whatever. And then you're really cool, but you're one of these everyday people. I don't, I'm not on it. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like. When I I tell you, you sound like me. I'm not even joking because that's exactly how I am. My mum is the only person I will talk to every day. And even now we don't talk every day. We WhatsApp every day. And we will talk sometimes on the phone. When something actually happens or when she needs to speak to me about something in particular, that's when we talk on the phone. We Or sometimes we haven't spoken in a while, so we'll arrange a phone call and actually have a chat on a Sunday and do like a Zoom call or whatever. But that's the only person that I WhatsApp every day. I don't even want to WhatsApp people every day. I really don't. Like, if we're not catching up on something, that just... It's not every day we have to talk. <laughs> Like the, the thing is, I find the minutiae of my life boring. The what I did and what I chose for dinner and like whether my son did this or that, like I find all of that boring. It's tedious. I don't want to go through it, never mind talk about it. So I don't want to get on the phone and talk to you about that every day. Your problems, like I don't really take on my own problems like that either. I don't like, and this is what I'm saying, like. There are people who I you're my friend. So part of me being your friend is means that I have to listen to your problems because you will damn sure listen to mine when I've got them. Like I've got that, we've got that, mm-hmm. that that's what we're here for for each other. It's part of the the contract of friendship and it's part of what I owe you and what you owe me. 
but there's only so much of that that I want to give out to the world because I... Then you're taking too much shit on. Then it's literally your problem. It becomes your... Especially if you've... I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this at some point in their lives, but if you've got those friends or that one friend who ask you for advice about the same damn problem all the time and you give them solid advice every single time and they will still do the same thing and then they will still come and complain to you about it the next day and it's just like how many times are we going to do this energy vampires yeah yeah you're drained and and it's so that that sort of a situation is so um taxing because you do care because they are your friend mm. because you want them to, you know, get through their issues and you're throwing up really useful solution after solution or even suggestions, even if they're not solutions, mm. but the person doesn't want to hear the suggestions or, or try or think about it, it literally is they just want to get on the phone to you and kind of bring vent. you where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Even just vent. Cause I think inventing often venting is, it's a one-time thing, right? We we vent. It's to, supposed to be. It's a means to an end, yeah. Yes. Venting, I think, like, yeah, that's it. At the Venting end of it. Is get it out of the system, and once it's out, it's out. It's not every day you come and tell me the same thing, because then this isn't venting anymore. This, you're a broken record. And it, it feels really harsh to say that, but one thing I have learned as I've gotten older is I can't be afraid of taking myself out of situations like that no matter how much I care about the person because all that's led for me is that all that's led to for me in the past sorry is that I have taken on that person's problems and that person's continuous draining of my system has really affected me in a negative way to the point where I didn't realize how bad it was until basically it was too late and so and this, I'm not talking referencing just one person. This has happened at various stages of my life. But it's like, now I know, now that I'm a, a fully cooked adult sort of, I'm now like, you know, this isn't going to work for me. It's just not. And it's not because I don't care about you. It's actually because I care about you. And it's by default, I care about people. Once I really fuck with somebody, I want I want the best for everyone in general, but I really want the best for the people that I fuck with, right? People that I really vibe with, people that are just my tribe. I want them to do well and I will do everything I can to support them. But at the same time, I'm also trying to get through life and I cannot take on other people's stuff continuously, continuously for the sake of having a friendship with that person because I care about them. Let me care from like way over here because... It's already difficult over here. I can't do, like, my brain can only take so much. Especially if advice and suggestions and all of that good stuff is being asked for, but not taken. I, I Again, just like how you started, I could say you, you've just spoken my thoughts for me as well. I'm exactly the same and that's it. And I think part of, but when a situation with a friend gets like that, growth and maturity in us tells us the best thing that we can do for ourselves and for that friend now is to take ourselves part away from the situation because yes. for me I am the most important person in my life and I have to put myself first 100% first not my son not my mother 
not my sick father, not anybody um, can come before me because if I can't do what I need to do for me, then I'm no use to, to any of those people. It's those putting people. the mask on first, right? When you're on the plane, they tell exactly. you put yours on first before you put it on the kids. Exactly that. Exactly that. So if I'm at a, if I'm as close to a hundred percent as I can be for me, then I, I can do everything that I need to or, or want to or whatever for others. But I have to. I have to build myself before I can even extend to anyone else. Mm. So in that situation where you have friend, friends, people, work colleagues, it's not even just, you can have a work colleague. Man. Where every time you try and solve a work situation, they're coming and saying, yeah, but do you remember when it was like this? And, oh, but yeah, you know, that one. It, it's never about, oh, yeah, but can we just get past this and, and just work? Because we've got a goal to get to. And yes. We could bitch here for the next, you know, however long about so and so from HR and the thing that they did. That, but it's, I know it, you know it. Now let's solve it, and you don't want to. That's draining, and you, or even, or even talk about a positive for once in a while, just one time. Sometimes you work with people, and you're like, it's every day you've got negative shit to say. Every day, really, nothing good happened this morning at all. Nothing good happened at the weekend. What? That's that's it, and and yeah. those those they really you have to actively work against. You have to use energy to combat that yes. negative energy. And when it's somebody you care about, not only do you have to actively work to then lift yourself up after it, you then are are left feeling low because of the state that the person is in. Mm. And like you said, when you when you fuck when you fuck with someone, you you want you don't want them to be in that state and and to to be dealing with that level of sort of you know mind fuck every day day in day out and and the whole emo whatever it is you don't want them to be going through that so you also feel shit about that because you can't do anything like you just feel shit yeah. they you you can't help them and you're almost enabling them to an extent by being there every day and just tolerating it because you've tried to do whatever you can do in whatever capacity you can to improve the situation or to offer solutions or even to direct them to people that can give them solutions if you can't. And they just, uh, so you're at that point, you really are enabling it. 100%. If continue. I think, it, I think sometimes it's possible to set boundaries where they kind of know, I don't want to talk to you about that stuff anymore. We can talk about the kids. We can talk about meeting up at the weekend and we can do, but don't bring that shit to me anymore. Because if you can do that, then that that's healthy because again, you're not enabling it. You're not taking it on yourself. If you can keep distance from it and still maintain a, a positive friendship that works for you both, then great. But and, and the fucked up thing is that's not even easy to do, right? Because even the most confident, confrontational person can struggle when it comes to somebody they care about to actually know how to even say that out loud without sounding like a dick. Do you know what I mean? Without being like, oh, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Like before you get to that point, you need to set a boundary. But how do you go about doing that? How do you even navigate that? Friendships are not easy at all. And they're hard to maintain and they're very hard to get into and you're talking about new ones as an adult. Um, but fortunately, it isn't, an, it's not, oftentimes it's not just you going through it, as obviously we know we're talking about it here, but 
when you actually speak to other adults about this type of thing particularly i have in battle rap every now and again and people say the exact same thing people go oh it's awkward right let's just hang out and you go okay cool so i i found um there's so many articles online that talk about this type of thing and actually give people tips on how to make friends as an adult so i thought it'd be super interesting to go over some of them so I found one by somebody called Emily Burns and she wrote an article for The Cut and it was published post-COVID. So I think it kind of takes the fact that things have got a little bit more awkward recently into account as well. So uh, she says... In the article, she says, uh, oh, bloody cookies everywhere. Right, she says, I'll say it, making friends can be incredibly daunting no matter what age you are, but the older that we get, the more difficult it becomes. And now we have the added barrier of social distancing. This is where Dr. Miriam Kermeyer comes in. And Dr. Kermeyer is a clinical psychologist, writer, speaker, and relationship expert located in Montreal, Canada, who has spent the past decade researching the science of connection and friendship. So she gives some of the tips, and these are the tips that she mentions here. So the first one is, like we just said, you're not alone. So Dr. Kermeyer emphasized that it is super common to experience difficulty making friends as an adult, and that actually is something that you know that from that i take it it's something that you can joke about which i have done when you do meet people like through battle rap or another shared interest you can just be like oh it's super awkward do you want to just hang out and then everyone yeah. can just be like breathe okay cool. if someone said it it's all good and yeah. you can move on from there which is always helpful second one is we need to talk about it and literally as we just said before you may be thinking it was easier to make friends as a kid and that's in part because people around you were just talking about it growing up parents teachers and everyone around you was constantly discussing our development and the now intimidating process of building relationships which is very true because teachers would also be like okay you know go and make friends go and chat and it was always a go socialize and your parents will do when you're talking about play dates you'd be like okay this is your new friend right go hang out and so not only were we very open as kids with each other about making friends the adults around us were pretty much pushing us into these social situations and making it possible to make friends as well we don't have that push now we're the ones that have to push ourselves which is as we were saying before not easy the third tip that she gives is get set up so Dr. Kiermaier, or Kiermaier, I think is how you say it, I'm not sure, says the first step in making a new friend is to decipher where you might actually meet them. This is where existing social network comes into play if you have one, whether it be a friend, a co-worker or a distant relative. So you can ask people that you already know, it's basically how, like, who else do you know? Where else are you hanging out? I don't know if I would do that, but this is a tip that she has given uh, yeah would you I think... do that would you ask like your existing network of friends to introduce you to more friends that might be into maybe battle rap is that something you might say See, i feel like that would kind of happen naturally anyway mm. so if i have battle rap friends we're likely to get together at battle rap events and they're likely to have other battle like uh, i feel like you're you have, I don't know, that's a bit weird. I, I don't have a wide, I don't have friends at the gym and friends at work and then friends at school. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I would be a bit, it would be a bit weird to say, introduce me to your other friends because that's kind of what happens 
when you have friend groups anyway um it naturally you know you have a friend group you've got a you know a group of girlfriends it's a birthday party you meet their work colleagues you meet their family you meet the kids that they grew up with you meet the people next door you you meet their friends anyway so it's a bit weird i think maybe if you've got so take battle rap for example i might know a bunch of guys in battle rap and say to them specifically hey who are your women friends who like battle rap i might do that or if i've got a group of friends and someone says oh yeah my friend likes you know oh you like you're into making pottery my friend also he made it you know good i might say oh put me in touch with him you know but i think it's a bit weird to say hey friend i need friends (laughs) Yeah, I think the way you're describing it is definitely the more natural yeah. way to do it rather than... I think maybe that's what this. she means, sort of use your existing networks to maybe find people with similar interests, maybe, but get set up, I don't know, that's a bit... Blind date. It does very much sound like a blind date type thing, but blind date for friends. Except It's pretty much how I'm reading Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, that's it. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> Well, the next tip, the next tip is deepen your casual connections. So she's basically talking about promoting acquaintances from being acquaintances to friends. Again, I don't know about that one. I mean, I'm all about getting to know your acquaintances better, but oftentimes I feel like if it didn't happen naturally, why force it? Yeah, yeah. Generally, there's a reason why acquaintances are acquaintances. And I think this is that that boundaries thing and I think one of the things that I've done as I don't know if it's happened by accident or whatever but but setting those because I do have those sort of boundaries acquaintances are often acquaintances because I feel like that's all we should be or can be um from that even if it's only even if it's only temporary yeah. that can happen like sometimes it might naturally build that way but at least for now there's a reason why that's an acquaintance i think you're right don't force it mm. uh then she says use friendship apps as another one so there are things like meetup and i know that bumble has a friend bit as well as the dating so what do you think about friendship apps have you ever tried one i haven't but i've often thought about the fact that there must be some um, and I think I've never been um, needing enough of friendship that I felt to use an app. But I do think they could be, a, like, or, or probably are, a great thing. Um, I think any of these apps, dating apps, friendship apps, whatever, they're going to come with some weirdos. So as long as you can, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would be very surprised if there aren't people who have found many a meaningful relationship on an app, because that's just the way the world very true then the next one so number six is remind yourself why you're doing it so she says now i know what you're thinking this is all sounding very awkward and as a member of gen z i'm all too familiar with the anxiety that comes with approaching new people dr kiermaier wants us to normalize the anxiety and awkwardness it's part of the process just keep your eye on the prize a new friend we need to remind ourselves that this is uncomfortable. This makes me feel nervous. It makes me feel insecure. And I'm still choosing to do this for me, which I thought was very cute. And I um, it's very nice for her. The next one, number seven, is quality, not quantity, which 
very much is a big deal i think for us which is kind of the conversation we're having about acquaintances when i call you my friend it's because you are my friend and that's very different to my acquaintance and it's not because me and my acquaintances aren't friendly I know a lot of people now, thankfully through Battle Rap, that I have great conversations with, great time with at events, might appear or have already appeared on the podcast and have had great conversations. That doesn't mean that we're friends. That I think that's a bit, that's a strong word for me. And that, that's a, yeah, definitely quality over quantity. I don't need a whole bunch of friends. I just need a good few and I'm good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The last one is know when to let go, or at least kind of let go, which is pretty much the conversation that we were having. So what this says to me, Jen, is we're doing the right thing. We know what we're talking about. We know how to do it. Our brains are, you know, giving us good direction in our lives. So it, it's just a pandemic. Once the pandemic's up, and we're pretty much coming out of the whole lockdown thing and all the restrictions, so the sky is the limit is <laughs> what i've learned from that i I'd, I'd, I'd also take from that as well so we pretty much i think we're in a similar place and we're both happy with that place that we're in when it doesn't cause us discomfort we don't feel left out mm-hmm. there's no longing i think if you're maybe someone who isn't in that place and who does feel I think maybe those tips might be more helpful or you might feel like you need to do more to find friends. And and we talked about how maybe that isn't easy, but I think it's about what makes you comfortable in this stage of your life, making friends. And uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised actually if more, if there aren't, if I would think a lot of people are where we are at in, when it comes to sort of forming friendships and being a little bit guarded and maybe even just knowing that there are more people who think like us, it will help us to be a little less guarded because other people have boundaries as well. You don't have to be so prissy with your boundaries because everyone isn't trying to be all up in your friend, like in your life like that. Other people also want friends that they care about deeply, but don't talk about on a daily basis. That's kind of where I'm sort of, or trying to take something of it um, or from it. That's that's exactly what I'm thinking. I, I think sometimes our experiences are so, they're so individually formed by what we have been through that we think it's a very particular experience that we have, not thinking that, everybody else is an experience of their individual experiences and um are probably thinking the same things you are and that every bad experience the few bad situations where we've had somebody who wants to just kind of take over your whole life with their problems or those are few and far in between thankfully so but what we're doing is we're taking that and applying it to everyone going oh but what if i make friends with a bunch of people and they're all like that well the likelihood is they're not all going to be like that and you now know how to remove yourself from that situation because you've clearly done it before so there's nothing to really be scared about it's awkward but it's awkward for everyone. So just yeah. put it all on the table and just be like, this is awkward, but do you wanna do you wanna hang out? Let's do something. This is cool, let's yeah. go have fun or whatever. And don't yeah. be like afraid to express that you're having a good time and that 
it is awkward, but do you want to hang out? Because that's what we did as kids. And I think the thing we now have as adults is that boundary setting from early as well. You kind of, there are natural things that you do when you feel a bit, okay, this is getting a bit awkward. There are natural sort of pullbacks that you can do. And as long as the person isn't a particular psycho, then they also feel, you know, it naturally pulls away or fizzles out or whatever. And the people who you vibe with, it naturally works because they get, you get their boundaries, they get yours. Um, and, you know, you become, that's how, yeah, I think, yeah. Totally Definitely. agree. Yeah, I guess my hope is that the people that love to talk to their friends absolutely every single day and have a moan and a vent and whatever else every single day, I hope they all find each other and become friends. Yeah. Because they can give that support to each other and hopefully not drain each other because that's what they expect to get and so maybe they're able to give it better. Yeah. Me personally, and I'm going to guess you based on this conversation, I don't put all my problems on people and I really just don't want their, all of their problems to be put on me. Let's, you know, if you're in a situation, obviously, let's talk it out. I'm here to support you. I'll do whatever I can to help you. But don't dump everything onto me because I would never dream of doing that to my friends. So let's just treat each other how we would like to be treated. And hopefully we can all gravitate to each other I try, you know, your tribe will hopefully find each other very easily at some point, maybe. Yeah, no, I love that. Pandemic allowing, <laughs> if we can actually get out of our houses. Yeah, hopefully. the pandemic just has been such an odd shift that I think it's going to take a little while to get back to whatever a, a new normal is because, mm. yeah, we've, you know, we're locked down, literally shut away from everybody and people adjusted to that differently and are going to come out a bit differently as well so i think it's going to take some time but you know we're all in it together so that's it that is exactly it Linda. oh that was such a great chat okay so let's go into the final segment of the show which is called mahakama now mahakama is swahili for court technically high court and it is the segment of the show that allows me to judge people okay i can be very judgmental i'm trying i'm doing all the things i can do to be an evolved better human but i need a space where i can judge some shit so this is it i've created it here right so I was thinking to keep it on topic, right? Because we can all be a little toxic at times and, you know, some more than others. But, you know, if, but even if you're like working on yourself, I was just saying I'm working on myself, trying not to judge people too much. Even if you're super self-aware, we can still all have our little toxic moments and be a toxic friend, even when we don't intend to be, right? So Lindsay Dodgson wrote an article for Business Insider listing 13 signs that a friendship is toxic. So for this week's Mahakama segment, I'm going to go through the list. Okay, I'm just going to say what the headline is for each one. So there's 13 of them. What we're going to do is say mercy or no mercy. And in this case, mercy means allow it if that happened to you this hypothetical friend did that thing to you you'd be like you know what i'd allow it and we'd we'd carry on our friendship no mercy means oh red flag we, we're gonna have to stop this friendship okay got it cool so let me pull up the article and we got and i purposely didn't look at these because i didn't want to have a, a you know a, a thought beforehand i just wanted to see them fresh so Da, 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 da. number one there's a whole lot of drama if they're constantly bringing drama to your door mercy or no mercy no mercy bitch you gotta go 
100% same no mercy don't bring don't bring stuff to me please I can't I cannot not at my grown age I can't do it <laughs> I don't deal with drama so I'm not I'm certainly not dealing with the drama that you're trying to bring to me hell no get that shit away all right number two everything is about them every conversation they don't ask you how you are they're literally just talking about themselves mercy or no mercy i have to say no mercy i feel like somebody like that wouldn't have reached level of friend in the first place because that's that's not a friend really it would have to have been someone like you have to be blood relative i don't know yeah no mercy no I agree with you, no mercy. I might not necessarily cut them off, but they wouldn't be my friend. We yeah. could hang out and go for drinks or something yeah. if we're in a group, but we're not, you're not my friend. Like we can't, you don't, you didn't ask me nothing in this 30 minute conversation. No, I'm okay, thanks. Okay, number three, they constantly put you down. Mercy or no mercy? No mercy. No mercy, you're not my friend. You're not 100%. my friend. Because maybe if you did it once or twice, maybe we've had a conversation about it. Like we, we, um, you constantly put me down. No, you're not my friend. I've got to be honest. Not even once or twice for me. Um, listen, self-deprecating humor is all good, but don't yeah. be deprecating your friends. Don't ever do that to me. Ever, ever, ever. This is not. We can all joke and laugh and banter and all that kind of stuff, but putting your friend down, no, that's. Yeah. Yeah, maybe once or twice I can maybe I can see an allowance where maybe you thought you were being fine. I can maybe Oh, like see. if they think that yeah, they're saying something hilarious. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, generally, no. No mercy. You're right. uh, it looks like we're pretty harsh because oof, right, number four, they compete with you. Mercy or no mercy? I wanna say potentially mercy, but really no mercy. I really wanna say no mercy. Because again, if you're competing with me, are you my friend or are you using me to make you feel better about yourself? Because that's what the competition is. Like, that's not my friend. We're not in competition. I'm here because I love you and you're here because you want to compete. Yeah, no mercy. Bitch, you got to go. For me, it's going to depend. So if this is a friend where we have a pact that we are going to work out together let's say we've got some kind of exercise goal some kind of health goal right yes yes that competition there that's good because we are oh i have to beat you and you're like i have to beat you and that's going to keep you going right that's going to give you the morale and the motivation to keep going in that sense 100 percent mercy because it is for the betterment of what we're trying to do in our friendship if it's just that you're always whatever we do you always think you're going to dress better than me or like or i don't because i don't i'm not thinking about oh i'm going to look better than my friend when i go somewhere but if you think that that's weird your intention yeah yeah, yeah. like if you're out somewhere and you one up me and like you say we're not in a literal competition that we yes. agree to like then what are you doing exactly so yeah for me it depends if we're just talking about in life like a one-upmanship situations like you just said absolutely no mercy if you're just competitive in like monopoly let's go because i take that shit personally i take spades personally if we are on the team you better compete like yeah, I, I need all of that in that yeah. sense absolutely challenges of course but in in just general life no no mercy okay number five they secretly copy you mercy or no mercy Mercy, mercy. Secretly, could be subconsciously. That's 
maybe a flattering thing um that's maybe that yeah and copying maybe you just like what I wear we we like similar things like there's way too much gray area there and that's not that's again speaking to intent you're not it's not a harmful thing Agreed. I'd say mercy as well. I've actually had that in in life before. And I think people's personalities are just different, right? So if you have a friend and you're you're not maybe very confident, but your friend is very confident and your friend inspires you to do shit that maybe you wouldn't have thought of doing, I think that's a good thing. And, And sometimes that can lead to people copying you a little bit. Like, you know, they might try and because they're trying to kind of hone in on that thing that's inspiring to them about you. So I wouldn't say that to you. Like, well, as long as we're not talking about single white female type shit, I think that, yeah, mercy on that one. So number six is they cross your boundaries. So if you've set clear boundaries and they have crossed them, let's say they split this into two. If they cross them once after you've told them, would you say mercy or no mercy? And does your answer change if it's multiple times? Yeah, multiple anything changes most things change if you know um one time people make mistakes two times maybe it took you a minute to understand you but if if, i i know if you don't understand my boundaries and i have no mercy for you like my peace is way too important no mercy you've gone agreed the only thing i would say is i need to be and i'm learning this about myself i need to be better about making my boundaries clear so that because if you cross my boundaries and you didn't even know and now I'm mad at you, that's not fair of me. So I need to make sure that my boundaries are clear so that if you do cross them, I know that it was purposeful and then I can definitely be like, okay, this isn't for me kind of thing. Number seven, toxic friends are obsessively needy. So a super needy friend, mercy or no mercy? Mercy, to an extent. Same, it pisses me off. Yeah, we all need different things from different people at different times and sometimes you need an awful lot and mm. if I if, if I have a friend who needs an awful lot I want to be able to give you what I can but if you're trying to take more than I've got continually then I, I can't help you because I haven't got it um, I mm. feel like friends in need I've been I've been I've been a friend in need and I've been the needy. Like, so I understand, you know, I think we all have. And the friends I still have are testament to that. And and like, yeah, I I think it speaks to that. If it's too needy, those friends probably aren't there anymore. And the ones that are there are there because they stayed there when you needed them and you were there for them. I think that's the, yeah, crux of friendship. A hundred percent agree. Number eight, they're jealous of your other friends. Mercy or no mercy? Mm, Mercy. I think that's often a situation from lack of understanding or just, you know, all your, you know, your college friends, you know, your school friends, you know, your work friends, you know, your neighborhood friends, your school mum friend, whatever. You know, you're different. You have individual relationships with all of them, and sometimes they just don't understand each other. They're just, and sometimes friends get territorial. So I think, and also, not all of your different friend group friends are going to like each other, and that's cool. So as long as it's not a problem, then yeah, it's 
don't make it an issue or get to know them or just don't be a part of it. That's also cool. Otherwise, if it's an issue, then ugh, I haven't got time for this. I'm too old. Totally agree. I mean, if it's if you feel a certain way and you feel the jealousy, it's mercy because you can feel it's natural to feel however you're going to feel. But if you now are making it difficult for me to be your friend because every time we hang out you want to complain about my other friends which is rooted in your jealousy there's only so much of that I can take and it's going to end up being a no mercy so it's all about how that person handles the jealousy to have the jealousy is fine how you handle it I think is now going to determine whether this is going to be a mercy or no mercy thing all right number nine you feel responsible (laughs) for them mercy or no mercy mercy because if i feel responsible on to them then that's completely on me um, I, yeah I've, I've brought that on myself so that's I my best feel responsible for all my friends i've always been that way i always feel responsible for my friends so if we're out together somewhere i always take on that role i've always been the mum since i was 15 i was literally a mum of and i by the way i was the youngest in my school year so i was usually the youngest in my friend groups and i was the mum because I, I need to know what's going on, make sure everyone's safe. Like, that's just been my personality. So, same. Mercy. It's not their fault. It has nothing to do with them most of the time. It's usually it's, just me. It's me. It's on me. Yeah. Yeah. Number 10, they're hypocritical. Mercy or no mercy? Mm, mercy. That sounds like a personality flaw. We all have them. Um, you've accepted my flaws. If you're my friend and you're a hypocrite, I might point it out every now and again but I know that about you I expect it from you you know you know my flaws and yeah I deal with mine so I'm, I'm gonna deal with you being a hypocrite every now and again you're super fun and cool and I love everything else about you so big same big same mercy for me too because this is kind of me I can be hypocritical sometimes I find myself doing something and I know and I've said that is not the right thing and yet look at me here at my big age doing the thing i just said was you've condemned other people for doing it would you right (laughs) i have i may have even gone over a whole rant about it i might have made a big deal about it and look at me now so you know what i understand i empathize i have experienced it and i hope that people around me could be forgiving enough. And so if I hope that for me, then I have to be that for other people. So I'm going to have to say mercy on that one. So number 11 is they lie to get sympathy. Mercy or no mercy? Okay, this is a hard one to say no mercy for, but no mercy. They lie, for me, is kind of where it stops. For me, I'm very big on trust. I'm a very real and honest person I can own most of my shit and if I can't I'm certainly not going to be talking to you about it to the point where I'm lying yeah I'm, I'm big on lies and and for me I like you being you and doing what you've done and living the life you've had really is no big deal that you need to lie about it and if you do then it's probably something really fucked up because you know I'm not judgmental like that so mm. there's a reason why yeah, I, yeah. You said you lie, and I, I, for me, it's hard to get past that. So yes, there's going to be some grey area there at the beginning, but maybe you're insecure. Maybe you, you, you know, you, you're not comfortable in yourself, so you lie to make situations seem bigger than they are. We can, if I see that, and we can have a comp, maybe not a direct comp, 
but do you know what I mean? There are ways that you can kind of, but if that's just you, we can't, even on a superficial level, I'm, I'm really just not that interested. Um, See, that's the, I can, I agree to an extent with that. I think for me, it would depend on, no, I'm going to make it specific because it says they lie to get sympathy. And that is the problem for me. Because sometimes people can tell little white lies about experiences that they've had in their past to make it sound like things were maybe better than what they were. And that is a coping mechanism. That could be a, a trauma response. And that doesn't really affect me in a negative way. If you lie a little bit and say, you're telling me a story maybe about your childhood and you kind of fabricate a couple of bits to make yourself maybe seem a little bit happier or better or well off or whatever it might be, whatever your reasoning is, that's not necessarily a reason for me to, it doesn't affect me. So it doesn't really matter to me. If you're lying to me to get sympathy from me, you're trying to take something from me and you're using a lie, you're using a tactic to do that. You're manipulating me and manipulation I cannot do ever in any way. So that's the problem for me. Little white lies, I don't care. As long as the lie doesn't affect me, I really don't give a shit about what you tell me about your life. Let's just go have fun, whatever it is, right? If you're manipulating me, though, I can't do it. Because you can't trust that person. That's it, that's it. You're, you're, you're deliberately lying to get a response from me, yeah, which you wouldn't get otherwise. And it is a draining response as well. Giving somebody sympathy, even if you're the most empathetic person on the planet, it takes from you. It's energy from you. And to know that someone would lie to you to get that from you is too much for me personally. So for that one, it is a big fat no mercy. Number 12. So it's the penultimate one. You're always set up for failure. So I'm going to break this down a bit because I don't really understand in what way they mean. So she says, putting on public displays of drama are a toxic person's favourite activity. If you haven't done anything obvious towards them in a while, they might set you up for failure. So, for example, they could say that you promised to go to the cinema with them and you stood them up when that conversation never actually happened. She goes on to say they're very dramatic, so they may publicly shame you in a place of screaming or shouting at you. So you feel bad and put in your place. They may make you feel like it's your fault. And if you don't watch such behaviours, then they will do it again sounds a bit like gaslighting to me yeah yes. I, I got no mercy for that you set yourself up <laughs> stay yeah. away from me in Drama. fact don't even contact me on social media do not i'm block you're blocking i'm blocking you i'm done yeah. That is terrifying behaviour. You're going to try and make up a conversation because you need a reaction from me. Again, it's like the the last one with the sympathy, the lying for sympathy. You're manipulating me. You're now gaslighting me because you need some attention. No. Oh, my God. That is scary. There's no basis for a genuine friendship there whatsoever. At all. And then the final one, you'll feel something is wrong. <laughs> neo said your body is good at picking up signals oh this doesn't really count so that last one was really the last one this is more giving you a telling you that this is how you're gonna spot it oh actually maybe this could be the last one so maybe you're around a friend this hypothetical friend and you can just something in your gut is like mm, something's off here do you do you cut that person off or do you try and keep it going i'm i'm probably gonna cut it off and if i can't get rid of that feeling i'm gonna just maybe see if maybe there's something about me that maybe I'm being iffy. Maybe this person takes a while to open up. Maybe 
they've got their own issues and they're guarded, maybe I'm off. If I start seeing things like red flags or just, yeah, yeah, um, no mercy on that, I think. I'm going to agree, no mercy. And it's going to be because my gut has never lied to me. So even if I don't know the reason why, we can be acquaintances, we can be cool. I can see we haven't got beef ever. But you, you cannot be friends. I might not know the reason, but if my gut is saying something's off, no. And it's it's even more so when you don't have a reason and your gut is telling you and you've separated ego, you've separated, you know, whatever maybe psychological little ticks might be going on and it's mm-hmm. literally gut. I've got no reason to dislike this person or feel bad vibes from this person other than the bad vibes that I'm picking up in my gut. It's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're not for me. And then nine out of 10 times, 10 out of 10 times, if I'm thinking back, 9.5, you're proved right. (laughs) You're proved right. That gut feeling, there's normally always something that comes along and says, that's why. That's why. Something happens, usually thankfully to someone else, not that I'm wishing anything on anybody else, but because maybe they didn't have that gut feeling and they weren't they weren't given that warning, whereas you were and you listened to it and you removed yourself and thankfully nothing happened to you, but you find out later that some fuck shit happened. Or it's when you don't go with your gut and it's always the thing that you think, you know, it might be someone you think, oh, you're not really trustworthy, but I've I'm just feeling that. I've got no reason to feel that. I'm just being bad mind myself. And then they tea from you and you're like, oh, okay, that's why. That's why, yeah. like, you know, they do something shady or whatever and you're like, okay. That. Or you hear about something shady that they did or whatever. And you're like, yeah, no. My mum used to tell me when I was a kid because I'm so hard-headed and so stubborn. Said you like to just learn things the hard way. She always used to tell me that. She was like, You love to learn things the hard way. And she was not wrong about me. And yeah. so there were several times I ignored my gut as I was growing up. And boy, did I regret it. So now I don't like to learn things the hard way. Now I like to learn from past mistakes because I don't want to do that shit ever again. <laughs> so when my gut says something's weird, even if I have no logical explanation, I'm just like, I'm cool on this. Let me remove myself. Something's not right. I don't care if I don't know what it is. My gut is telling me and my gut has never lied to me. The only times, the only times my gut has quote unquote let me down is when I didn't listen. And that was nothing to do with my gut. That was me being stubborn. So... Yeah, 100% no mercy. And we have now come to the end. Thank you so much, Jen, for doing this. I had a great time uh, talking about this with you. And I we're so much more similar than I actually realised before. Me too. Yeah, no, I've had such a great time too. Thank you so much for having me on. But exactly that, pretty much everything that you've said could have been my answers. And I feel like it's, it's the same way. Same. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, amazing. So is there anything that you would like to let my listeners know about? Anything you would like to promote on the show? Um, I would just say go and maybe follow me on all platforms. I'm London Jen, all one word, three ends on my Jen. I'm on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. I've got a Batter Up YouTube channel where I do all sorts of things, UK um, based and US based. I'm also, um, I do a ladies, recently started an all ladies battle rap um, show 
called The Tea and Crumpets with Jay Thinks and Paris One. And um, go and follow us there, Tea and Crumpets. Go and follow me. Um, yeah, follow me. I do a lot of stuff. I've got a caffeine show. Um, I do uh, four days a week, Monday to Thursday, 5 p.m. UK time. Um, verified source. And yeah, I'm doing lots of stuff. I've got interesting stuff, so much interesting stuff coming up that nobody really knows about with all of the UK Battle Rap events that are coming up in this summer. Um, so undisclosed, um, I'll be doing stuff with Era versus Era, uh, stuff with Neil, Danny Jack and Craig over at Code Red, like lots of stuff going on. So um, yeah, that was my self-promo vomit just <laughs> I've got got a lot of stuff going on I love you stay working you've always got stuff going I love that about you though you've always got little projects going and little hobby things going which is a good thing a great thing so yeah I will definitely put those if you check the description all of her ads will be there so and you'll see her ads and also the tea and crumpets ads as well definitely check out the tea and crumpet show I, I enjoy it it's a good time so Yes, 100% recommend that. Um, awesome. So for me, it's the same old stuff. So tune in to What's Politicking You Off every other Saturday at 3 o'clock on the Sarcasm City YouTube channel. At the end of the month, we do the Talk About It Network special where we round up all of the viral news stories and whatever else has happened on the internet while getting absolutely pissed. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it. That's also on the Sarcasm City YouTube channel. So... Check out my Twitter at Linda Shapoopy for anything else I might be doing. And also please do follow the show. So it's at Pod of Mercy on Twitter and Instagram. If you are listening to this on iTunes, please, please, please go in the uh, review section for Apple Podcasts and give us a little rating and a little review if you would please. And I will see you in two weeks. Bye.